man at Bethesda in the pool last Sunday. We had the man who was healed from his infirmity, who has gone to tell the Jews about Jesus as being the healer who healed him on the Sabbath and made him carry his bed. And now this conversation happens because of that. It is John chapter 5, beginning verse 16. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, The Son can do nothing of Himself. But what He sees the Father do, for whatever He does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all things that He Himself does. And He will show Him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom He will. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears My word and believes in Him who sent Me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death into life. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God And those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son to have life in Himself. And has given Him authority to execute judgment also, because He is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear His voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and to those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Amen. Pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, this passage your Son is speaking to us. May it come to life in us now. Have the words that you need us to hear come forth. And may your blessing abound in them unto us, that we may be a blessing to others. Pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Last Sunday we talked about the man who was in the pool of Bethesda, had been lame for 30 plus years. No friends, no family. And I was thinking about that story this week. I know I talked about it last Sunday. But I realized the man basically was in quarantine for over 30 years. I had trouble with it for a couple weeks. I had trouble with it when we started going on lockdown earlier in the year. And this man had it for 30 plus years. It became his way of life. It became normal. I don't know about you, but I don't want quarantine and masks and unable to connect uh, with each other, to embrace, to uh, have meals together and sit down with folks from a different household and, uh, and, and think about whether or not, not it's safe. I, I really don't look forward to that continuing long term. This man had nobody. 
as he was under quarantine for 30 plus years. It's a no wonder his answer was, I've got nobody. Because that's all he's ever known for such a long time. But when he was healed and he went to tell the Jews, actually he didn't go to tell them at first, they saw him carrying his bed. And they asked him why he was doing work on the Sabbath. And uh, he said, the man who healed me told me to do it, so I did it. And they asked the man, who did this? Who healed you on the Sabbath and told you to do work? And he said, I don't know who he is. Jesus found the man, we find it a little bit later, and he tells them, the man, that he's the one who healed him and told him to stop sinning or else something worse would happen in his life. As soon as Jesus tells him he's the one who healed him, then that man who was healed goes to the Jewish authorities and says, Jesus is the one who healed me and told me to carry my bed on the Sabbath. That is why the Jews began to complain and grumble about Jesus and had odds with him because he healed and did those things on the Sabbath. And that's where we pick up this story is Jesus' response to them. Now, I have a question for you that you might not have thought of. But in Scripture, lots of times, there is what we talk about the will of God. You know, trying to seek God's will, do what God wants for our life, learning His will. There's a lot of stuff written about that. And, 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 I, and in another translation, there's a different word used for that. And I never, never considered this until I read this translation that said, instead of God's will, it says God's agenda. His agenda for your life. Not His will, but His agenda. He's got a list of things, you know, plans and all this other stuff. And it's kind of like will... But for you, would it be easier to say, I want to know what God's agenda for my life is or His will? Which one helps you understand better? In this passage, Jesus is talking about both God's will and God's agenda. And we're going to see that real clearly when we talk about this. what Jesus is saying here. Now, when... Jesus answers. The first thing he says is, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. When they are upset that he did this work of healing on the Sabbath, that is the problem they have because he's done work. want to share with you why that is a big deal. If you've not read the Ten Commandments lately, in the top five are our relationship with God. The next five are our relationship with other people. And one of those in the top five says, Honor the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as I, the Lord, worked six days and rested one day, shall shalt thou do. And this is where they got this from. That commandment. So yes, God says, rest on the Sabbath. But they also said, and they reiterated, that God Himself rested on the Sabbath. It does not say that. It's an inference. God rested on the seventh day of creation. That's the day God rested. And Jesus said in this verse, to, to change that and challenge that, is my Father has been working until now and I have been working. Otherwise, let me tell you something. 
If God takes one day off a week, this world's going to chaos fast. You think God's taking a day off? Let me, let me reiterate what this looks like. All right, for us, we go to bed sometime in, during the evening hours, late hours, whatever, and we wake up and it's the new day. Sun's coming up, new day goes along, end of the day, we repeat the pattern, we go back to sleep, we come up, it's another day. God, on the other hand, is not on this planet experiencing dark and light cycles, 24-hour periods, day and night. God's above watching this world gradually rotate on its axis like this from a distance. And the characteristic of where God is in terms of light and dark does not change. And so, here's what the leaders are saying to Jesus God rests for a day. But God doesn't see a day from where He is. He dwells in inaccessible light. It's always light there. There is no darkness where God is. So if God's going to wait until the night and darkness come to rest, it's going to be a while. And Jesus is making this awareness, if you will, to them, but they don't catch it. It took me a minute to figure this out. Because when, when we flew over to Israel, we lost a day somewhere. We came back, we gained one, or something like that. It was just, but below us you could see that the day had changed because the earth was spinning, but our time was different. You see, over in Israel it's a different time zone. It's a different part of the day. But for them, it's the correct time. But for us over here, it's correct time for us. Yet, it's the exact same time. So if it's daylight here, it might be the middle of the night over there. So when God's looking down, is He saying, okay, it's day here, it's night there? Or is He saying, this is part of the rotation of the earth? And I'm watching it happen and I'm doing my work still. In other words, is God bound by the rotation of the earth's axis or is He bound by nothing to do His work? And this is what Jesus is arguing with them when He says that. He's been working and I'm working too. As long as I'm here, I'm going to be working. That's what Jesus says. And they wanted to kill Him. Because of that, not only did he break the Sabbath, but he was saying God was his Father and therefore making himself equal with God. But there's one thing that Jesus is going to clarify in this next section. And if you don't understand their culture and how they did things back then, you'll miss this. So let me explain something to you. In those days, there was a what's called patrons or patrons. And those folks were the ones who had the wealth, um, the power, the prestige. And then there were people called clients. And those were people who needed favors from those who had the power and the prestige. But in that relationship, they weren't equal socially, so they did not interact. What would happen is a client who needed a favor would go to what was called a broker. And the broker would talk to the patron or the patron and say, this is what the client needs as a favor. 
And then the patron would say to the broker, yes, client, I will do that for you. This is a favor for you. We've now engaged in a client-patron relationship, but it's brokered by someone who's in the middle. A go-between. It was that way. Because most of the time, you couldn't just do that. You couldn't just go ask a favor from someone who was more powerful or in authority. You'll, you'll see this, uh, that like Herod was the broker for Caesar to the Jewish nation. So he would take Caesar's orders and put them forward as the broker into the country around him. And he would honor Caesar by what he did. And so if someone wanted something from Caesar, they didn't go to Caesar, they'd go to Herod. But Herod had power too, you know. And so he had people under him and he had brokers as well, the people below him. So if you wanted an audience with Herod, you better know someone who knows him to go ahead and talk to him for you. That's kind of how it worked. So what Jesus is about to tell us is that God the Father is a patron. And we are the clients. And we need somebody to go to God on our behalf and come back and do what God wants done for us. And to communicate that to us. And to show us how God wants things done. In other words, Jesus is about to tell us that He's the broker between the Father and creation. And He's the one who makes things happen according to the will of the Father, toward the people on earth. That makes sense? He's the middleman, if you will. Now, they don't understand that yet. So when he says that my father's working and I am working, they're thinking he's saying he's a patron too. But he's about to clarify, no, I'm the middleman. And you can't get to God without Jesus. And he's going to tell you that in this very next verse. Verse 19, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing by Himself or of His own accord. If He were a, a patron, He could do that. He could say what He wanted, do what He wanted, whatever, because they had the power. But what He said is, He has sent me, and I represent Him and I will only do what He tells me to do. And I will only say what He tells me to say. Because I represent Him to earth. Us. And that's when He says, I only do what my Father does and I only say what my Father says. Because He's not going to act out of the will of God or the agenda God has for us, for you, for me. And so, when Jesus says, the Son can do nothing, but what I see the Father do, whatever He does, that's what I do, that's what He's talking about. I've learned from the Father, and He calls Himself a Son. And this is where they get a little of the confusion, because they think the Son is kinship equality. But Jesus is very clear. I'm a son, but I don't have the authority of the Father. 
The Father has authority over me, and I do as He wishes. I do not choose my course. He says that quite clearly there. And in verse 20, He says, The Father loves the Son and shows Him all the things that He Himself does, and He's going to show Him greater works than these, and you will marvel. But the Father is going to show the Son these things. And as the Father raises the dead and gives life, which he's talking about with the Son, even so the Son gives life to whom He will. So the Father has imparted His authority to the broker Son to distribute in accord with the will and agenda of the Father. He even says that the Son gets to do the judging of the clients, of us. And the Father is not going to do that. He even says in that 22nd verse, the Father judges nobody, not a one. He leaves that to the Son. Now this, that's the best part of the good news is that Jesus Christ who died for us is also our intercessor. He's our prosecutor and our defender. And he's the judge who determines all of it. You go, oh no, he's not the prosecutor. He is. Because he has to bring up everything. And people say, well, it's the devil prosecuting. No, he's accusing you. In the court, he's the accuser who brings you to trial. But Jesus is the prosecutor, the defender, and the judge. Which one do you want to represent you? Jesus the judge, Jesus the prosecutor, Jesus the defendant. I think I want Jesus wherever He is to be on my side. And I'm hoping that He's willing to communicate to me the agenda of the Father to my life that on the day of judgment that He can look at me and say, I communicated it, you did it, well done. Now you say, well that's, that's interesting and it is. But there's a little bit more. And, and we don't want to miss this because if we miss this, we miss the rest of it. Um, God is working, but when Jesus says He sees what the Father is doing, it's not exactly. I, I sometimes read this as literal in the Scripture and my understanding takes a while to get past my own silly defenses and interpretations, rose-colored glasses to understand. When Jesus said, I'm only doing what I see my Father doing, I'm thinking that the Father isn't eating with sinners. I'm thinking that the Father isn't going to be beaten. I'm thinking that the Father isn't walking around the streets of Jerusalem looking for the man in Bethesda to heal him. But rather, what I see now understanding when He said what my Father is doing, that's what I do, is that the Father is trying to heal people. That He's trying to transform this world to be righteous and holy. That that's His intent. That's His agenda. God's truly got an agenda for you and it's that you be holy. That you be complete in love as He is. That you be righteous. And He's made a way for you to do that through Jesus Christ. That's His agenda for you. And through that process to love one another. And that makes all the difference in the world. So, when Jesus heals somebody, it isn't because God's up in heaven 
healing an angel. The angels aren't needing that. But rather, the Father is telling the Son, go and minister my love to the broken, the lost, as I am loving the world through you. It's not a, an exact model of the Father. It's the agenda. It's the will. And when he says, I only say what he says, I don't think the Father's up there going, whoa, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. I don't think the Father's saying that. I think the Father's saying, son, they don't know me. And here's why. And Jesus tells them why. I don't think it's word for word repeating. So please, please, when you're, when you're literal about Scripture as, as authority in the Word of God, don't take what Jesus says as a literal up-down relationship. He's got to do it before I can. If that's the case, we're in trouble as a church because we're only supposed to be doing what Jesus calls us to do. And if we don't know what that is, then we do nothing. But rather, we work it out. We figure out what God's doing and trying to reach through us to the world to do. And so he gives him the, this judgment and then he does that so that all should honor the Son as they honor the Father. In other words, if you see Jesus, He's representative of the Heavenly Father. You're going to hear this later in this Gospel as we get to it. That Jesus is the Father made flesh. God made flesh, but not God, but still God. Does that make sense? He tells us later in this same book, I am not above the Father. The Father is greater than me. Jesus clearly understands His place in the relationship. And they honor the Son because the Son honors the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son doesn't honor the Father who sent Him. And this was a passage where they got all twisted. They couldn't understand it. And the disciples had tried to explain it to Him. And He would say, listen... If you don't honor me, you don't honor the Father. If you love the Father, you'll love me. If you don't love me, you won't love the Father because He sent me. And, and, it's, and it's hard to explain it in words until you see it in a word picture. But suppose this. Suppose my son came into the door one day and sat down as he's done on occasion. Would you love him? You do. I know you do. You treat him very well. Same with my daughter. Same with my wife. You treat them all very well. Kindly, with love. Honor. Is it because you do that for every single person that age that looks like that? Or is it maybe because it's the pastor's son and wife? And daughter? There's a difference, isn't there? And that difference is the same thing Jesus is saying, if you recognize the Heavenly Father and you recognize His Son, then you recognize the Father. But if you do not understand who the Father is, you won't understand how the Father is connected to the Son. And you won't understand that it's possible for Him to have a Son. As it is, I have two sons. Twin sons. Looking more and more like me the more this grows. And my daughter looks just like me. And her mother. 
And do you know what's interesting about that? Is if I were not here and they were, and you treated them well, it's because you love me. But if you treated them poorly, it's because, well, that's the preacher's family, so what? We don't care about him. Right? This is what Jesus is saying. If you don't care about the Father's children, you don't care about the Father. Because the Father loves the children, and if you don't love what the Father loves, then you can't possibly understand, no, or love the Father. Now let's take this to the following step. You also are loved by God the Father. You are. God loves you. And anyone who reacts with you will love you the way they love God if they love God. They will love you because they love the Father. If you belong to Him, you love the people who belong to Him. And the people who belong to Him will love those whom He loves. And that's you. It's not a difficult thing to understand when you put it like that. If I have something I'm very passionate about and care about, and you care about me, you're not going to dismiss what I care about. But rather, you're going to learn about it and see if you can join me in that. There are millions of things God's doing all at once right now. Millions. But He's only asking us to join in specific ones and to learn what ones those are and then be passionate about it as He is. Whatever that might be. And so we get to the verse 24 where He says, I say to you, He who hears My word and believes in Him who sent Me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death into life. And then He throws the good one. And I love this. I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Let me share with you, dead here, Jesus' voice, and talking two kinds of dead. There's a physically dead and a spiritually dead. Either one that hears Jesus' voice will live. Dead physically or dead spiritually. You go, well... I understand dead spiritually because Jesus can call a living person who's still alive and breathing out of the darkness of sin and death into life and become alive and no longer spiritually dead. But what about these physically dead? If Jesus speaks to a dead man named Lazarus and tells him to rise up, what's the dead man going to do? Going to rise up. If Jairus' daughter, who is dead and 12 years old and has been dead for quite some time, and he looks at her and says, Talitha kum, which is little girl, I say to you, arise. What's going to happen to the dead girl? Going to rise up. What about the woman carrying her son in a coffin through the streets? And Jesus looks and puts his hand on the coffin and says to the young boy, rise up. What's going to happen to that dead boy? He's going to rise up, isn't He? Because God has given Him the authority to give life to who He chooses. And He chooses to give those life who will receive it and live it out. That's who He chooses. And you say, well, how does He know ahead of time? Because He knows hearts. 
And there comes a time when you have to begin to say, do I have a heart for God? Do I have a heart for Christ to live it out? And the answer to that is, if you don't, you can ask. In Luke it says, how willing God is to give the Holy Spirit to anyone who will ask for it. That Spirit is what quickens you. Makes you alive. So the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. Now that's verse 25. Son of God. Right? The Father has granted life to the Son and given authority to execute judgment. This is verse 27. Because He is also the Son of Man. That's verse 27. Now 25, he says he's the Son of God, has life, but judgment as the Son of Man. It would not be right for God to sit in judgment without having been an experience of the flesh. So he gives that to his Son who has experienced flesh, that the judgment would come from one of us who's experienced life as we have to understand the trials and tribulations of life and maybe understand a little more what it's like to be flesh and human, and hurt, and be afraid, and persecuted. And understand that, that when we're judged and we fall back to that, He can say, I understand why. I know why you do that. And then you say, well, that's, that's all well and good, but what does this have to do with life? And He says in verse 28, the hour's coming when all those who are in graves are going to hear His voice. Not just those three I mentioned. Or four I mentioned. But they're going to come forth. And those who've done good to the resurrection of life and those who've done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. So even if you die without Jesus, you're going to resurrect. But you're going to have a, a judgment. And Jesus will be the one who does it. And you either received Him and believed Him as the broker who offers you whatever God has for you. That you receive it from Him or you don't get it. Because you can't approach Him without Jesus. And here's the best thing. And this is verse 30. He says, I can of myself do nothing. If we go back to verse 19. Jesus said, the Son can do nothing by Himself. He's reiterating in verse 30, I can of myself do nothing. If He doesn't give it to me, and I don't give it to you, you're not going to have it. And if He doesn't give it to me, I'm not going to get it to be able to give to you. Because I don't have it to give unless my Father gives it to me to broker it to you the way He wants it done. I like the word intercessor better than broker. I like Savior better than broker. It sounds a lot less like gambling or debt or uh, shall we say real estate because it's not about that. It's about the movement of God's grace to us in a way we can receive. And here's the thing about that relationship between the client and the patron. The client can't earn it, needs it, and can't provide it for themselves. 
That's why it's a favor. And what do we call grace? Some people call it unmerited favor. But the truth is, grace is God's actions to a human heart based on what God sees that heart needs. That's grace. And Jesus is the agent to make that happen to us and for us. But again, he says, I can't do anything without God. So and he repeats again, as I hear, I judge. He's just using the Father's judgment. And he says, my judgment is righteous because I'm not going after my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Let me re- repeat that with the word agenda. I do not seek my own agenda, but the agenda of the Father who sent me. This is what God is trying to get us to do. To not seek our own agendas, but to find out what God wants for us and to do that and to live that. Why? Because whatever you try to do of your own accord, you're no better than Jesus and you're not as good as Jesus as far as I can tell. But if He can't do anything without the Father, how do you expect to on your own accord to decide what's good and what's not? So what do you say about you? Do you want to do your own agenda? Or do you want to find out what God's is and live that? What agenda do you follow right now? Whose agenda do you follow? How do you determine what you're going to do and why you're going to do it? This is the question Jesus keeps reiterating over and over again. That He can't do it unless the Father says yes. But I promise you, Every person in this planet and in this room has done stuff without the Father saying, yes, go ahead. As a matter of fact, the Father's probably looked at some of the stuff we've done in our life and looked and gone, if you'd asked me, I'd have said no. But we didn't ask. Because we didn't want to know. But if we love the Son, and we love the Father, and we want the promises of His life in us, we want His yes. So what agenda do you want to follow? His or your own? There's only two. Yours or God's. Well, you say, oh no, I follow other people's agendas. It's still yours because you chose that. But if God's agenda becomes yours, (laughs) here's what happens. You become Christ to the world around you because God can broker grace through you to the world around you once you have God's agenda as your own. I'm not saying you are Christ, but God can broker His agenda to the world through you. And you can do great things, marvelous things in the name of Christ when that happens. You can do this. We can do this. And this is what God has asked us to do. And Jesus reiterates, without the Father I do nothing. Because I can't. I would say it's pointless. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I know your word and your promise is always yes in Jesus Christ. And yet sometimes we've looked at our own pathways and 
our own ideas and our own will and situations and say, well, I can't do it that way. I don't have time to wait. And it's always been to our loss and our destitution and having to re repent and come back and say, you know, I wish I would have waited. I wish I would have listened longer and not acted without you telling me. Heavenly Father, this morning, if we're not sure how to discern your agenda or your will for our life, I'm asking you right now that we would repent of not listening for it first, and then second, to ask you to give us your Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning, I live the preparation again for Advent. Next week, I have a different candle to light. I've, I've labeled these as they grow progressively in order. It's called the participation. And we're going to talk about participation next week. But Jesus is preparing us to understand how the dynamic works with us and God. That we can't do it without Jesus, and Jesus couldn't do it without the Father. Here in John 15, he says, I am the branches. Brian, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing of consequence. Nothing but self-service. Self-pleasure. And that's not going to get it done for the kingdom. So the thing that I want to reiterate to you today is do you know the agenda of Christ? In your life? If you don't, are you willing to ask Him to show you and give you the Holy Spirit to show you? So you can get it done and learn it. That still small voice that says this is the way to go. Walk in it. If that's you, and you're hungry for more of that, I'm going to ask you today to say, Lord Jesus, quicken me with the Holy Spirit. I want that Holy Spirit. I want to know how to know the Father's will for my life. I want to live by His agenda for me and stop crossing off things that never satisfy me, that don't get me anywhere peaceful inside, that I might grow forward in you to the places you've called me to, that I might be able to spread your agenda to the world around me. That I am partnered with Christ and one in Him when you do that. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I invite you this day to go out and live the peace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Learning what that is as you go.